Yeah, it's sports talk from the three bros. Something you can bet on like Pete Rose. And you better not miss it like some free throws. Giving taste is more accurate than Drew Brees throws. And it might get explosive like some C4. We just giving you a look inside the peephole. So if you got a weak take, you better keep those. And get your cheeks swole when you step into the ring with the Amibros. And we are back with another week of the Amibros podcast. Uh, special thanks to our listeners that have been uh, tuning into us every week. We appreciate you guys. Fellas, how we feeling? 85, JDZ. You feeling all right, fellas? We good? I'm good, man. I'm uh, feeling a little bit under the weather, but, you know, whenever I start to feel bad, I just decide to be awesome instead. True story. So uh, right now, man, my, my, my mind is telling me uh, I'm, I'm feeling great, so uh, my body is going to uh, gonna listen to it. So, uh, what? How? What? Jeremy, how you feeling over there, brother? I'm feeling good, man. I'm uh, happy to see all my young Lakers looking like they're going to stay with our team. Congratulations. Thank you so much, Pelicans. And I was so excited to see a great Super Bowl over the weekend. Uh, got my popcorn ready, was ready to sit down and watch this slugfest of two behemoth teams. I don't even think I said that word right, but hey, let's get into it, man. Let's go. <laughs> Jeremy, were well, you a part of the parade down in uh, in New Orleans? Did you go down there to, for, the, for the, the pity parade? Chopper style. Well, no, no, no. That was well, first off. First you? off, let's not I, call I it a pity. You. Let's not call it a pity parade. Let's not call it a pity parade. That party was ten times better than the Super Bowl we had, <laughs> and that concert was way better than Adam Lambert. So, or Adam Levine. I can't even think of his name. Hey, Adam, we, yeah, Adam we, Levine. Not whatever judge, his name is. You know, as Atlanta residents, we're not going to judge. Um, That's how Atlanta. Well the that city Atlanta did from, a, from a performance standpoint of Adam Levine, but obviously the big story was the Super Bowl. 53 was in Atlanta this weekend. It was a great time. I got to go to a lot of events myself. I'm had some friends in town. Did you, did you guys get out of the city a little bit? you enjoy it? Jeremy? I did not do a thing. I am getting way too old for uh, going out at this point. Not really. I just didn't feel like going out. I was still kind of mad that my Saints weren't in it. If the Saints were playing, I would have been downtown. Uh, and I am somewhat... Glad I didn't go down because uh, the Super Bowl didn't deserve anyone going out for it. <clears throat> I was I was gonna give you a, a chance to explain yourself. So just so the listeners know, Jeremy was in Atlanta uh, for the Super Bowl weekend, but he refused to participate in any events whatsoever. So uh, he's just kind of telling None. himself when he explained himself. But uh, Jared, I, I know you were at the house. Baby Zoe had a little little birthday shindig, but did you enjoy your your Super Bowl weekend? How'd you how'd you how'd you uh what'd you get into? Uh yeah, it was a great birthday, man. Uh, Zoe turned three, so not quite a baby no more. But uh, you know, it was a nice little party at Chuck E. Cheese. Just glad y'all yeah. were able to make it. And um, after that, went back to the crib, played with a whole whole lot of kids. Got really tired, watched a, a pretty terrible Super Bowl, and then um, you know, got right back to it. So it was a good weekend, man. Appreciate y'all uh y'all asking about that, baby Zoe. Hey man, you can't be mad at that. Let's get right into it, man. Uh. Game was very underwhelming to say the least. Um, <clears throat> Pats came out with the with the uh, Super Bowl dub. Tom Brady, Gronk doing the doing the normal, uh, just getting it done, man. So let's start with Jeremy. What do you guys think about the game just in general? Um, Jeremy, let's 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 not talk from a stand, Saints standpoint. What do you just think about 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 the game? Overall, for this game, um, I could have taken a long nap. Woke <laughs> up. Took another nap, woke up, 
And I myself could have scored more points than either team did. I mean, even even Adam Levine, he was maroon five, and the Rams only had three. What were they doing? It was almost as if they didn't deserve to be there. I mean, man, I don't know what was going on. It was crazy. It was, it was as go. if they were a fraudulent Super Bowl team. I want to give them congratulations, first of all. You are officially the very first team to lose twice in the same postseason. Congratulations. You set NFL history. But as far as the game goes, it was awful. I thought the defensive game plan of the Patriots and also the Rams was really good. Uh, I was shocked at how confused Tom Brady was because he could not pick up what they were doing pretty much for the entire game. I thought Tom Brady was terrible. But like I said, you put a young quarterback out on the field against Bill Belichick with two weeks to prepare and a def- and an offense that's very uncomplex and runs out of three person three uh, personnel settings the entire season, and Bill Belichick is going to pick it apart. That's exactly what he did. He confused uh, Jared Goff. He took away the run game. And absolutely, they could have been still playing right now, and I'm sure they wouldn't have got three points again. So, I mean, it was a terrible game to watch from a viewing standpoint. I see why the ratings were – the lowest in the last 10 years. And I was happy to see it. I was very happy to see it. They did not deserve those ratings. Well then, um, <laughs> I can't say I didn't expect uh, anything much different. Jeremy, what'd you think about this game? Well, let's, let's start off by saying this. David says nothing doing with the saints. And Jeremy immediately goes into how fraudulent the Rams were for losing twice Reminding us of <laughs> how they got they they should have lost to the to the Saints. Anyway, I thought it was a terrible game. Um, what I really got out of it, I'm I'm not opposed to like a defensive game. I remember the the Alabama LSU game. Uh, I think it was 2012 where it was like nine to six. Like those kind of games where the defense is dominating. I'm not opposed to, but I thought this was bad offense. Um, Jared Goff had a wide open touchdown pass. Uh, to Brandon Cooks, that he, you know, that McCourty goes from the opposite side of the field to get to it, and um, I, I didn't think it had anything to do with um, his co- coverage. But I just thought Goff missed it, and then, um, you know, uh, Brandon Cooks dropped an open touchdown uh, on one of the last drives of the game. So um, I thought it was bad offense on both ends. Uh, but you got to give credit to Belichick and and. What I'm not going to do is just give it all to Belichick because Brian Flores was the one who called a defensive game plan. Even that late pick to end the game really sealed it up for him. Uh, the player said that during the, the season or during the week, he said, hey, we're going to go more zone, all zone basically than we've done all season or way more than we've done all season, but all game. Um, and then after it gets to a big moment, we're going to go cover zero blitz throw them off, and we're going to get the, the interception we need. So he's, he basically changed up the game plan. They go mostly man-to-man coverage all season. This game he goes zone, switches it up to man blitz uh, in, in the big moment. So shout-out to him, man. He's going to be the new coach of the Dolphins. But overall, um, I knew that the uh, the Rams were going to be able to uh, to have some opportunities versus that team, but they didn't take advantage of it. And, and the same thing has been happening all postseason. The, the Patriots have been able to generate a pass rush, and they've been able to keep Tom Brady upright. I didn't think he played a particularly solid game, but at the end of the day, he got it done. So uh, congratulations to the Patriots. That kind of leads into my next question, though, fellas. Um, obviously, you know, Brady didn't have too good of a game uh, during the Super Bowl, but 
uh, it's a great season. So do we do we credit Belichick or Brady more for this incredible season and them uh, making their third straight Super Bowl? Let's start with Jeremy. Um, this is 100% Belichick. Uh, not 100%. I'll give him 90% Belichick. Brady was not good this season. He just wasn't. Uh, he played pretty well at the end of the of the Chargers game. I mean, the Chiefs game. He played well in the Chargers game. In the regular season, he was not great. He was an average quarterback for the majority of the regular season. And in the last two games, Tom Brady had one touchdown and three interceptions. I will say this. I came on here two weeks ago and said Drew Brees fell off towards the end of the season. Drew Brees did not play well at the end of the season. And Drew Brees didn't play well in that Rams game. But in nine possessions against that same Rams defense, Drew Brees put up 23 points. Probably easily could have been 27 if they called that pass interference call. And everybody came in and said he played terrible. Yet on the same defense, Tom Brady came on the field, 11 possessions, had an interception, had a fumble that his team just happened to fall on. Um, they And they put up 13 points in 11 possessions, and everybody came in saying, oh, man, Tom Brady's the GOAT. Yeah, I mean, he's the most accomplished quarterback I've ever seen. Tom Brady is awesome. But if we really want to give credit for this Super Bowl, any other quarterback who is above the Matt Ryan line would have won playing for the Patriots last year or this game. I mean, it was – I mean, you could have put Cam Newton in that situation. Cam would have won. Matt Ryan. I mean, Kirk Cousins might have won in this, with his Patriots team this year. So, at the end of the day, I'm not going to give that much credit to Tom Brady. Tom, I'm not going to say this year. They wouldn't have got through that Chiefs game. But for that game on uh, on Sunday, there's 15 quarterbacks that could have won that game for the Patriots. Um, and so I'm not giving Tom Brady a ton of credit for that. I give it to Bill Belichick. I give it to his staff. They have great players. One one person that I, I want to shout out, Stephon Gilmore, Rock Hill Zone, South Carolina. Two Rock Hill boys playing on the same team, winning the Super Bowl. It's awesome. Uh, you should have known Stephon Gilmore was the truth. When Bill Belichick signs somebody – at cornerback in the free agent market and pays them top dollar. That tells you somebody is awesome because Bill Belichick doesn't even want to play his own players who are awesome and they uh, when they come up for contracts. So uh, overall, I get the, the credit more to Bill Belichick. Tom Brady is awesome, but he didn't do much. Jared? Well, if we're looking at it from uh, the season or the game, from the season standpoint, um, I think you got to give more credit still to Belichick on both sides than, than you do uh, Tom Brady. But I think when you look at it, I'm not going to do this whole Jeremy, uh, you know, 100% goes to Belichick. That's silly. If I was going to break down the pie, I would say, you know, probably 40% of it went to Belichick. I would probably say 10% of it went to Brian Flores. I would probably give Brady 20% of the pie, and then I'd give 30% to the rest of the team. Look, as, as much as you want to take away from Brady and say, oh, he didn't play that well, I, I think there's some things you're missing. One, and that, that Saints game, some of those points came from turnovers that you guys got the ball inside of the red zone to start a possession off. So I'm not going to give Drew Brees any credit for that. Um, secondly, when I look at, at the, the game, that game was in New Orleans. This game was neutral field. So that's a different scenario. Uh, but if, if you're going to break down this game, I thought – um, in this game, I would give more credit than anything to uh, to Brian Flores for the season. That was my breakdown. But if I'm looking at just this game, uh, Brian Flores gets at least 45, 50 percent of the credit because he caught all the defensive plays, and that was the reason why it was a three point game. Uh, you know, 
all the way to the end. I mean, literally, it was fourth quarter, 3-3, three to three, and it allowed Brady to get that game-winning drive-off. Um, and then I give the rest of the credit to Belichick, and then Brady after that, and then the rest of the players. Um, but I think when you look at the game, I don't think you necessarily get a vintage Brady performance. This is more like his first Super Bowl. If you look at the uh, the, the QBRs, which is, I don't think, a perfect uh, analysis of how a quarterback plays, but it's decently accurate. Uh, so on a scale of 1 to 50, I'm mean, sorry, 1 to 100, 50 being uh, average, Brady had a QBR of 25. Uh, it just so happened that Jared Goff had a QBR of 13 in that game. And so when you look at it, I don't think Brady played particularly well. I think this will be remembered not as poorly as the the last Manning Super Bowl where he didn't really do anything for, for most of that playoff run. But it's going to be similar to that because I didn't think he played particularly well. And uh, I think when you have a situation where you're not getting hit and, and the offensive lines can protect you, you can usually get the job done. And they were able to run the ball in critical situations and control the clock. And I think that was the reason why they won the Super Bowl. Also, uh, I can't forget to mention, though, Tom Brady does audible a lot of those running plays, too. I mean, as much as we we don't want to give credit to Tom Brady, um, you, you got to look at it. A lot of those play calls, he's he's looking at it as a pass play call. He sees the alignment of the defense, sees the, the uh, formation, and realizes it's a better chance to run it. So uh, I still got to give some of that credit, too, to Brady as well. So um, Brady didn't have the best game. He didn't play the best pl- playoffs. I mean, he, he I think he had one touchdown, three interceptions, but – you got to give a lot of credit to Brady for him getting that team in, in the right alignment to be able to be successful. Jared, I just, I got a quick question for you. So you're telling me Tom Brady handing the ball off had something to do with Tom Brady's greatness? They had 32 carries for 154 yards, 4.8 yards per carry. That's absolutely nothing to do with Tom Brady. It had to do with their offensive line being dominant. It had to do with Sonny Michelle being great. If you look at that team, Tom Brady, everybody says, oh, Tom Brady killed him when he had that win. Like, when it came time, Tom Brady killed him. Let's go through their drives. They got the ball first. Tom Brady throws an interception. Rams punt. They drive back down the field. He can't get in field. He can't get close. They miss a 46-yard field goal. Rams punt. Patriots punt. Rams punt. Patriots field goal. Rams punt. Patriots punt. Rams punt. So overall, let's see. The Rams' first possessions were punt, 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 field goal, punt, interception, missed field goal. That's all that, like, I mean, if you get 11 possessions with the other team not doing anything, at some point you're going to score. That's what happens. I don't think Tom Brady was impressive that game. I thought he was terrible. Overall, if you can't put up more than 13 points, and you're consistently getting the ball back after three plays? What are we talking about? Jeremy, what you can't do, though, is ignore the fact that on the last drive, they rushed for like 70 yards on eight carries. So if they had 32 carries, that meant before that they had about 24 carries for about 80-something yards. Not that impressive. And then that ignores the fact they had, I think, 50 yards rushing on the first drive. So outside of those two drives, the first drive and the last drive, they didn't run the ball particularly well. Also, if you're going to look at it and try to compare – uh, what Tom Brady did. I don't think Tom Brady played well. You, you, you didn't hear that come out of my mouth. I don't think he played well, and I don't think Breeze played well when you looked at it, how they played the Rams beforehand. But with that being said, I think you still have to look at it and say that Tom Brady was able to get them in situations to where they were able to run the ball very well because of the fact that he was seeing the alignments that were, were set up. Also, 
I think that's another reason why you have to you you have to blame Jared Goff as the main culprit on why they lost to to the Patriots. Um, if you're looking at who was the main blame, Jared Goff had a lot of situations set up. He had a lot of open passes, and he missed them. Um, you got to blame some of the other receivers as well. But the touchdown pass, or there should have been a touchdown pass. Brandon Cook smokes everybody by 20 yards. He was at least three or four seconds behind because Jason McCourty was able to get back from the opposite side of the field to get all the way over there to be able to disrupt that pass. Also, you throw in the fact that uh, there was a drop by Brandon Cooks on the, on the drive before the interception that should have been a touchdown. So I think when you look at the way that game is set up, a lot of people are giving a lot of blame to, to oh, yeah, well, you know, uh, they didn't call a great game plan. And I, I do think they should have given uh, Ty Gurley a lot more rushing, rushing attempts than they did. But I think when you look at the way that game was set up, I don't think most of that blame should be on Sean McVay. I think most of that blame should be on Jared Goff and those players for not getting it done, as well as that offensive line for getting manhandled all game. I told y'all when everybody talked about how, oh, Jared Goff is this good and how Patrick Mahomes is this good, when you have an offensive line that can keep you upright and keep pressure out of your face, it's a lot easier to be able to make those those reads and to be able to make those throws. A lot of quarterbacks in this league, Russell Wilson, Deshaun Watson, uh, Sam Darnold for the Jets, they didn't have that luxury, and so they, were, they struggled at times this year because of the fact of they were under constant duress. Look at exactly what happened this game when Jared Goff didn't have a clean pocket. I think he's my number one culprit. Number two culprit will probably be the offensive line. And then after that, um, I would get down to Sean McVay. Jared, let me ask you a question. If Blake Bortles played for the Patriots, could they have won that football game? Yes, they could have because it was a Blake Bortles type game from Tom Brady. <laughs> so why are you giving any credit to Tom Brady for doing it? Like I, I, if I didn't. Any, like it, I'm telling you right now. You know, there's a lot of celebrities who did not do the Super Bowl performance because they were standing up for Kaepernick. Good job. Kaepernick could have come out of retirement and played quarterback for the Patriots without knowing the playbook, and they would have still won that game. That's how bad the Rams were. They were just terrible. So overall, what I am saying is this. I am saying the Rams are responsible. Bill Belichick is responsible. I'm going to give more blame to actually Sean McVay than I'm going to give to Jared Goff. Guys were not open. They just weren't. Sean McVay's offense has gotten predictable. I told you guys that after the Saints game. The Saints knew exactly what the pay, what the Rams wanted to do. The only difference was Jared Goff made some plays off schedule. They weren't getting anything in schedule when they played against the Saints outside of like plays when when Dennis Allen called up stupid blitzes and you know they ended up with Brandon Cooks getting guarded by P.J. Williams, stuff like that. Overall, Whenever the Saints really played a solid defense, they were able to identify what the what the uh, what the Rams wanted to do. And the same thing with the Patriots. You give you give Tom Brady or Bill Belichick and uh, Brian Flores two weeks to prepare for you. They're gonna figure it out. So what do what do the Rams like to do? They like to stack up in bunch formations. They like to run a lot of sweeps. They like to run a lot of pick plays and just naturally picking people running across the field because people are playing man. So what did the Patriots do? Okay, we're going to play zone this game because all those pick plays, you guys are going to run around each other, and I'm just going to stand in the same spot and know exactly where you're going. I'm going to put six people up on the line of scrimmage. Therefore, if you guys do decide to run, you're not going anywhere, and I can set the edge. So the guy who gets it on the speed sweep ain't going nowhere either. So overall, what the Patriots did was they took away everything that they wanted to do. And what was Sean McVay's response? Hey, 
we're going to stand in the huddle until it's 15 seconds left so they can't identify what we're doing, and we're going to try the same plays. Unfortunately, the Patriots still were shutting down all their plays, so he had no response. They're going to have to get a lot more complex in their offense. They're going to have to teach Jared Goff to read some defenses, because I will get that to Jared Goff. He still doesn't understand what's going on. He was absolutely confused the entire game. So I got to put that on Jared Goff, but overall, I'm going to put more on Sean McVay because he's the boy genius everybody's been giving credit for, and Frankly, I think he's a little overrated. Well, you're right now you're hating on Sean McVay. His job is to be able to get guys open, and as much as you want to look at it, did Brandon Cooks not have a wide-open touchdown in the end zone that Jared Goff was late on? Brandon Cooks, did get he did get open in the end zone, but that was due to bad cover or a, a busted coverage, and you never know. What if that wasn't his, his – uh, his read, and he was going through progressions on the other side of the field, and he looks up and sees Brandon Cooks open. Uh, you can say that, but here's the thing. His job is to make sure open the receivers get open. Brandon Cooks dropped another ball after that that should have been a touchdown that was on, on a good play call. So uh, what I think is you can't really just say, oh, yeah, well, what's going on with Sean McVay? A lot of that had to do with the fact that their offensive line was getting manhandled up front. They had a lot of pressure in, in Goff's face. And Sean McVay, it's not his job to say, okay, all, all of a sudden offensive line, y'all block now. If they couldn't block beforehand, I, they, they were blocking really well the last two seasons. That game and the Bears games were the two games where they really couldn't block. So I put that blame not on Sean McVay. I put that blame on the offensive line and on Jared Goff, as you mentioned, for not being able to read a defense. If you're going to say Jared, that, that Brandon Cooks dropped a touchdown, you also have to say Jared Goff threw a perfect pass on that play. You can't, you can't, I mean, that way you're, you're blaming Brandon Cooks on that. You're not blaming Jared Goff. But I'm, bl- I'm blaming Brandon Cooks on that too. But I still think, if you look at a game, if you're Jared Goff and you're the number one pick in the draft and you come out there and you play versus a New England defense that's good but not the Raven, 2000 Ravens, you can't come out there and put up three points. And as much as you can try to blame Sean McVay, there are a lot of offensive head coaches who do not, who are way worse than that, and their quarterbacks are still able to put up points. I think as we look at it, I told y'all I've been calling Jared Goff, Jared Goffle for a long time, and I've been calling Mitch Trubisky, Miss him Trubisky, and I said their their coordinators are able to scheme them open. But there's only so much you can do with limited talent, and I think if you look at Jared Goff, that he was exposed in this game because of the fact that he can't read defenses at the line of scrimmage. He can't call audibles to get out of those plays. And when you're in a conf- uh, in an environment where Bill Belichick is making quick adjustments and then you're Sean McVay and you're forced to be put in a situation where you're waiting till there's 15 seconds on the play clock to come out of huddles just so you can help your quarterback, I blame that on Jared Goff. I'm sorry, you've been in the league too long to not be able to read defenses and, and, and make audibles. I mean, this ain't college where Chip Kelly needs to be putting signs on on the, on the sideline of the Jackson Fives to try to tell you what a play is. At the end of the day, you need to be able to line up at the line of scrimmage, see what defense, what coverage that defense is in, or at least what alignment they're in, and get your team in the right environment so you can get them set up for victory. And he didn't do that, so I'm giving Jared Goff the majority of the blame for their loss. Both very good points, fellas. Um, let's let's move on from the Super Bowl for a second. Let's talk about uh, who won the MVP for the for the NFL for 2018-19 season, and that would be Patrick Mahomes. Um, the man had an incredible year. He definitely earned it. Let's start with Jeremy this time. What do you think about this Mahomes selection as MVP? So overall, 
I think Patrick Mahomes deserved MVP. Um, I thought Breeze had it locked up for the majority of the season. I thought Breeze was the best quarterback in the league by far for the first, let's say, 12 weeks until that Cowboys game. And Breeze kind of fell off. I don't know if Breeze got injured um, or if teams just figured out, hey, Michael Thomas is literally the only wide receiver option that they have. But at, so, at a certain point, teams just really started double-teaming Michael Thomas, double-teaming Alvin Kamara, and forcing someone else to beat him. And we didn't, we didn't have – um, another option for them to go to. So uh, overall, I thought Patrick Mahomes deserved the MVP. Um, I think he's still being a little overhyped as far as um, for the future. I think he's the by far the best young quarterback in in the league. I think he's. I think he could throw for maybe sixty touchdowns in, the, in a season. I think he could throw for over five thousand yards um again next season i think he's spectacular so when i say i think he's being a little overrated um it is not because of his talent it's not because of his skill level it's more because there are some other quarterbacks that could do a lot with that roster he has he's got talent all over the field he has an elite offensive line he has probably the fastest player to ever touch a football field maybe outside of Deion sanders um he's got a elite tight end um their running game is always solid sammy watkins as a third option is i mean Nobody has a Sammy Watkins as a third option. So overall, he's got a lot of talent around him, and I think that produces a lot of what he does. But there's no one else in the league who has even close to an arm that that, that Patrick Mahomes has. Um, and, I mean, I thought it was well-deserved. I will say this, though, outside of the MVP, some awards should have gone to somebody from the Saints. Why was Sean Payton not in the Coach of the Year discussion? Sean Payton had coached the team with the best record in football. And – I don't think he finished in the top five in Coach of the Year uh, validation. I mean, he was, what, he 13-2 and two when they stopped trying uh, for the last week? So uh, I don't think that Drew Brees was snubbed, uh, although some, there's some that, that did. I thought Patrick Mahomes uh, outright earned it. Uh, but some of the other uh, you know, award getters, I will say, uh, was a little suspect. Well, first off, nobody cares about the Saints. Nobody cares about Coach of the Year. Let's get into MVP. There's a couple things you said. Uh, one, this you can't. You just contradicted yourself to an extent. You said, "Oh, Patrick Mahomes is by far the best young quarterback," and then you go into there's a lot of quarterbacks if you gave them that roster. I think that's what it basically boils down to. Um, do I think he was deserving the MVP? I think he was very deserving of MVP. Fifty touchdowns, five thousand yards. You can't. I mean, that there's those numbers speak for themselves. But when you have a team that and for the first half of the year had had Kareem Hunt, a top five running back. But still, Damian Williams in that offensive line, they have a top ten rushing attack even without him. You throw in Tyreek Hill, who might be – or not he might. He's the most explosive receiver in football. Travis Kelsey was the best tight end in football. Sammy Watkins was the best number two receiver in football, uh, best third option in football. Like that, And an offensive line that can protect. Uh, I think he's in a situation right now to where – um, a lot of the other young quarterbacks, you'll never, you won't, you won't find out for years. But uh, obviously, you know my affinity for Deshaun. Uh, but you got Sam Darnold, you got Baker Mayfield, you got a lot of, you got Andrew Luck, you got a whole lot of guys who you can look at and say, oh, if they were given that situation, they may be able to put up very similar numbers. Um, so we'll see how that goes. But as far as the MVP goes, I was hating on, on Mahomes a little earlier in the season, and uh, you know, there's a legit reason why. It's because of the fact that I said. I thought he'd be the biggest bust in the NFL this year. I said I thought he was Josh Allen 2.0, and I was completely wrong. And so I got to take this L right now. And, you know, right now I'll, I'll be L-O uh, Cool J, uh, L-O Cool 85, whatever you want to call it. What? Huh? What? Huh? 
the biggest thing is going to be this, though. You got right now, you got Tyreek Hill, who's going to be one to get paid. And another year, you're going to have to pay Patrick Mahomes. Or maybe it may be two years before you have to pay him, but uh, he's they're talking about $200 million for Patrick Mahomes. You got to pay Travis Kelsey. Sammy Watkins is already on a three-year $47 million, $48 million deal. So he's getting paid right now. Offensive line is going to want to get paid. The defense, you got Chris Jones. You got uh, Justin Houston already got paid, but uh, D Ford's going to want to get paid. So you're going to have to make some decisions. I think right now Patrick Mahomes has the best roster um, that, that he's ever going to have as an NFL player. And I think he they better take advantage. They better put all their, their their chips in the basket for the next two or three years. Because after that, it's going to be like the Seahawks when everybody wants to get paid and you don't got enough dollars for that. And so right now, y'all better go ahead and try to take advantage of that situation and try to pull a Rams because next year, y'all are all ready to favorites. That's y'all's window of opportunity. Well, that's pretty much every team in – that's pretty much every team in the league, um, especially the Rams are going to have to start paying people. The Cowboys are about to have to start paying people. Um, I mean, almost every team is in that situation, except somehow the Patriots who always find a way around it. I will say one last thing about MVP since we are on the MVP uh, train. How did Julian Edelman get MVP? That's that, I'm not even going to go into details on it. Julian Edelman did not deserve MVP. Nobody on that entire offense deserved MVP. And somebody who did get suspended for four games for PEDs getting the MVP just looks like a bad look to me. But, hey, it is what it is. All righty then. Um, let's switch gears, fellas. That was a little uh, – that was uh, some great points, man. It was, it was an incredible season. That's one thing I'll say about NFL this season and NCAA season. Some great teams, great football, a lot of new emerging uh, personalities and names have come out this season. So I'm excited about uh, – What's going to happen this fall? Let's start talking about this uh, this huge Laker deal. Uh, AD trying to move from the Pelicans to the Lakers, and Magic backed out of the deal last minute today around 5 p.m. Uh, let's start with Jeremy. What do you guys think about this whole deal? It seems like New Orleans pretty pretty much wants to move the entire city to L.A. in order to get AD. Um, so the Lakers obviously stopped, stopped bidding against themselves. So, Jeremy, what do you think about this whole deal? You know what? I have something to tell Dell Dimps. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. Uh, we did not want Anthony Davis. I did not want Anthony Davis. The real Lakers fans didn't want Anthony Davis for all these pieces. This is stupid. This is Magic Johnson being the worst GM in basketball. This is Magic Johnson proving himself to be an even worse GM than Michael Jordan. Nobody brought Magic Johnson in to say, hey, you know what? I bet you could trade the entire team away for Anthony Davis if Anthony Davis said he wanted to come here. Nobody brought him in for that. Magic Johnson is brought in to be the guy who can attract free agents to come to L.A. Go attract him. Go attract Kawhi. Go attract Kyrie. Go attract Clay. Go attract KD. Go attract Jimmy Butler. Go attract Kimba Walker. There's so many of them out there. Attract one of them. You don't need Anthony Davis. You have a ton of young talent on one team. If you had already gotten a second star and you wanted to bring Anthony Davis a pair with them, I can say, okay, I wouldn't agree with it, but okay, at least you've got three stars now. What you're going to have on this team is Anthony Davis, LeBron James. Oh, I forgot they wanted Hart now. So, Contavious, Caldwell, Pope, uh, Rondo maybe. I don't know. Rondo might get traded. I mean, who, who else is on this team? You're gonna have to, you're gonna have to put 
JaVale playing 36 minutes a game. It would be terrible. That team wouldn't even make the playoffs. They literally would not make the playoffs if they made this trade happen. I'm telling you right now, Anthony Davis is on the team with another All-Star and another guy who averages 20 and 9 and another guy who averages 17 and 8. And they are on pace to win less games than the Lakers won last season. So what is Anthony Davis really going to do? Anthony Davis is very talented. You cannot tell me a single reason that Anthony Davis is better than Carmelo was in his prime. You can't. Jared, do you have a response to that? Uh, it's the most nonsensical argument. First off, Jeremy keeps talking about, oh, they've only won 30, only pace won 36 games. And, like, that's not even nearly realistic. And I think the, the main thing that you got to look at it is Anthony Davis right now is clearly wanting to get out of, of New Orleans. It's not realistic because they've lost more games since then. They're on pace to win 34 games. Uh, whatever. They were, they're on pace to win 34 games. But this is what you're ignoring, which is stupid. Miritich has missed 30 games. Their starting point guard, Edric Payton, has or Edric Payton has missed 40 games. Anthony Davis has missed 15 games. You look at the roster, you keep trying to look at it and try to compare, okay, how much, how many games are you going to win this season? But that's not a realistic tally because half their team has missed more than 15, 20 games. So if you're going to look at it from that standpoint, their last year was the team that you should look at, where they swept the, the the Blazers in the playoffs and gave the Warriors a legit series. Look, if you're the Lakers, you need to try to get the deal, the deal done. But from what I'm hearing, there's no intentions of Dale Demps trading the AD to to the Lakers at all. It seems like he's been dragging them along because right now, realistically, if they offer you all five of their big pieces and two first round picks, and you're like, nah, I want four first-round picks, and four second-round picks, and I want you to take a bad expiring contract, then you're really not trying to get nothing done. I, I mean, at, at a certain point in time, if you're you're the Lakers, you got to sit back and say, look, we can't mortgage our entire future on Anthony Davis. But I think here's the thing. I know a lot of you guys are gamblers because we gamble on the show. You go to Vegas. How many times are you going to Vegas and you playing blackjack and you cash out? You did it in Vegas, you'd be, or we did this in New Orleans, whatever. You cash out. I remember the first time I went to Vegas, cashed out with $800. I was up. And right after I took the cash, I went back to the table, and I lost it all. Dell Dips is in one of those situations right now where you're not getting a better offer than the Lakers are giving you right now. What happens, though, if Anthony Davis gets hurt when you play him later in the season? Or what happens is this. What happens if the Celtics don't want to trade Jason Tatum because Kyrie leaves. You're not going to get the same offer. I think they're overplaying their hand. You're absolutely right. Jared, Jared, do you realize this team is on pace to be like the worst defensive team of all time? Like they're the, in, a, in a league of no defense. They are dead last, and he has a first-team All-NBA defender playing beside him. And yet, their team is dead last in defense. What does that tell you? That tells you they got terrible defenders around you. That that's the goes back to my Jalil Okafor, Julius Randle, all Nikola Miritich or whatever Nikola Miritich, all these guys who can't defend. Look, if you looked at the team last year, they were one of the best defensive teams in the league. What changed? Oh, you go from Rondo at point guard to now you go to Ephraim Payton, who's a good defender, but he's missed 40 games. So you got young Frank Jackson who can't guard anybody. And then you look at that lineup, that, that team hasn't been healthy most of the season. All these stats you give me mean nothing to me. They mean yeah, nothing. All I know is this. I know there's a guy. I can tell you um, he's 212 and 200 and – or yeah, 212 
out of 239 games in his career, or in, in 239 in losses. So he's got a losing record for his career. I can tell you that same guy in the same period of time that Carmelo Anthony was in New York, he had a worse record than Carmelo Anthony in New York, and he had way more talent beside him. I, I can tell you that guy won one playoff series. That's not an accurate stat. That's the Pelicans. That's not him because he was that, hurt. That makes it even worse, and I'll tell you why. Because what happens if you make this trade for Anthony Davis and he misses a whole bunch of time like he does every single season and you've got LeBron playing on the team with absolutely nobody? What happens then? Then LeBron's playing 45 minutes trying to make the playoffs. LeBron takes a serious injury. You've got him on the books for four years. you got Anthony Davis on the team by himself who continuously gets injured and doesn't win at all. And the next thing you know, you don't have any draft picks to go along with it. So at the end of the day, you end up looking like, I don't know, Brooklyn Nets for the last 10 years. They'll be absolutely terrible. I would not trade for Anthony Davis if you told me, hey, i got to give up Kuzma, Lonzo, and two first-round picks. I wouldn't even make that deal because I don't think Anthony Davis is worth it. I don't. Jeremy, here's a question. Is... Lonzo, is he injury prone? Sure. What about Brandon Ingram? Is Brandon Ingram to you injury prone? Mm, you can say that. I mean, he only injuries had so far this season was somebody stepping under him and getting a technical for stepping under him and he rolled his ankle. And Kuzma's been hurt this year. Josh Hart has been hurt this year. Like, all these players they were talking about trading are, are, are guys that have ha- had in history of being injured. And what you're not realizing is this. People always want to say, oh, yo, you're trading eight guys for one guy. No, you're not. You know what you're really trading? You're trading eight guys who are all at a little above replacement level for this guy who's significantly above replacement level plus seven guys that are around replacement level that you're going to replace those guys with. What happens if you take, oh, yeah, I'm going to trade away Kuzma, but you sign Melo. Oh, I'm going to trade away Lonzo, but you're able to get a, a, a good guard out off a buyout. Uh, you know, it's a possibility that the Grizzlies could possibly buy out Mike Conley or something. What if you're able to make one of those deals happen? you got to look at not just what's going to happen in, 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 okay, well, I'm getting rid of these players, but who am I going to replace these players with? All these guys that we're talking about, like, you're really high on Brandon Ingram, and I, I don't blame you for it. But Brandon Ingram, to me, he, he he's a possibility he turns into a D'Angelo Russell caliber player. He's never going to be an Anthony Davis. And this year, could the Lakers be better without him? Possibly. But next year and on, when you retract the third free agent, I don't think it's close. No. no, no they, can, they can fill it with, with some sorry players and they won't beat the Warriors. They're, they are really putting a package together to say, hey, we want to lose to the Warriors in the second round of the playoffs for the next four years and then be terrible. That is what they are putting together right now. I will, like, let, let me give you uh, some numbers. Since you're not sold on Ingram, I'm going to ask you a question between two players. I'm going to give you player A averages 17, 5, and 3 on 49% shooting in his third season. And I'm going to give you a player B averages 15, 6, and 4, or 6 and 3 uh, on 46% shooting uh, in his third season. Which player are you going to take? That depends. Who, whose team is winning more at that point in time, and what option are they on the team? Are, are they taking a lot of shots? Um, Let's see. Let's see what their record was this year or that year. Hold on one second. I'll give you that answer in two seconds. One, one, team, one, one, one team, the other team won 45 games. So, but were they the first option? Were they the second option? Were they the third option? Like, what, what was the guy on that team? I don't know. This is his third year. I mean, it's it's he 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 took thirteen shots per game. But that depends, though. I could take thirteen I'm shots and, go and that. that be getting, go getting guarded. That, that's, 
That's Tracy McGrady, the guy you were just talking about how great he was. Let's stop acting like players that are superstars in small four positions break out. He was 20 years old. Tracy that McGrady age. was a he was came out of high school. Like, what, what, we've got to stop making up like, like, you're at least a big difference. He's been in like three years. He's one year older. Like, we got to stop acting like players all of a sudden come to this league and average 25 points a game. But who was the Vince Carter uh, and all the guys taking away shots from Brandon? LeBron, he, his numbers have been inflated this year. LeBron's not court. You even said that. Season. That's the thing. LeBron's missed okay, games. Well, LeBron is averaging like 20 in those games. He's not there. So, at the end of the day, a lot of that's because of the fact that he's been able to right, beat the number one shot taker when LeBron's missed last points. I know we're going off a little tangent right here. Jeremy, let's start, and then, Jared, let's have you uh, make your last point. Jeremy, go ahead. Jerry, you're saying this is the third season LeBron just got there. When LeBron has been out, Brandon Ingram is averaging 20 points per game on 53% shooting, and he's averaging six and five. So if you look at him without LeBron, his stats have looked way better. LeBron has been bringing him down. That is not a legitimate argument. If you look at Brandon Ingram and Kyle Kuzma in their second and third years compared to Jimmy Butler, to Paul George, to Kawhi Leonard, to any of these guys – Tracy McGrady, these guys who were in the league and became stars and potential Hall of Fame players, they're trending much higher. What you're seeing from the Lakers right now is a team that's given up on all their young talent. Imagine if the Warriors in 2012 said, you know what, we're going to trade Steph and Clay and Harrison Barnes, and we're going to try to sign Melo, and then we're going to try to pair him with AI. That's what the Lakers are trying to do right now. Like, stop. Just, just, just let the process happen. Nobody's going to beat the Warriors for the next three years. Just face it. And let's go ahead and move forward and try to win after that. All right, Jared, what you got, brother? Well, this is what makes this nonsense. You can't look at it and say, oh, Anthony Davis puts up empty stats and then try to give me what Brandon Ingram averages and ignore the fact that Tracy McGrady was doing it on a playoff team that made the Eastern Conference Finals and lost in Game 7, and Brandon Ingram's been doing it on a team that without LeBron, where you claim it's 20 points per game, they lose two out of every three games. And even when he's not there, they're not in, right now in position to make the playoffs. I think they're going to get there, but they're not. So you can't compare the numbers of that one. And then when you talk about Anthony Davis, whose PER is third all-time behind LeBron and Michael Jordan, and say, oh, well, that's because of the fact that he, he doesn't win any games. Next next comment you got, I got to put on it is this. If you're going to look at Brandon Ingram and compare his stats historically to Trace McGrady, you got to also look at – and not just Trace McGrady, Paul George, uh, Jimmy Butler, you know, you got to look at the, the skill set that they have. Is Brandon Ingram a great shooter? No. Is Brandon Ingram as nearly the athlete of Tracy McGrady? No. Is Brandon Ingram as polished as McGrady was at that point? No. If Brandon Ingram hit the market next, next week, like McGrady did after his third season, would people pay him a max contract? Not the, no, the fake max contract, 96. Would people give him $150 million or whatever that would be? No. You know why? Because Brandon Ingram isn't even good enough to tr- attract the Pelicans to trade AD. Definitely, definitely very uh, good points from both of you fellows. Uh, it's going to be interesting to see what the Lakers do second half of the season, especially if uh, that AD trade does not happen before the deadline. It's going to be uh, – me on, personally, guys, I think if, if they, they don't make that AD trade, I think it's going to be a tank season. Everybody goes out and they rebuild around who they really want. Uh, but you guys got any last comments, fellas? Any, anything you want to leave, leave our uh, our dedicated listeners with? Let's start with you, Jeremy. Yeah, uh, my last comment will be 
hopefully when this podcast comes out, it'll be almost a trade deadline, and hopefully Anthony Davis will still stay in New Orleans. Let's go, Lakers. Let's make it happen. I think our boys can get it done. Uh, I'll say my boys. Your boy is just LeBron. Let's go, Lakers. Let's win a title this year. Uh, it's not going to happen, but hey. Well, clearly LeBron's my boy. I ain't, I ain't worried about all the rest of this stuff. All we need to do, go ahead, get AD. Then we go ahead, get Kyrie. Then we go ahead, get that ring. Yeah, I'm rhyming. 85 bars. Hashtag. Get it. <laughs> we shall see. But as always, we would like to thank you guys for listening to us. Shout out to Teddy, man. Teddy, my boy from D.C., he was in town this weekend. We had a good time. He the plug of plugs. Sports Illustrated Party was crazy. Comedy show was crazy. Shouts to him. But uh, uh, we will see you guys next week, same time. God bless you guys this week. We out. <laughs>